It's a comic strip, a one-frame part of the funny paper, if you will, that many of us have read over the years, even over a generation or two. It's called Family Circus. We have been looking at a few of those <clears throat> frames concerning Christmas because what we find this family, a mom and a dad, children, pets, living in their house in whatever city you can imagine, they teach us many things about not just this holiday season, but about life in general. Interesting, just a few years ago, the comic strip said this. You've got mom and big brother, little brother at the deli, deli counter of the grocery store fixing to take possession of a very large turkey. And the little boy says, Thanksgiving should come after Christmas. And the caption says, then we'd have more things to be thankful for. Maybe that's true. The true meaning of the spirit of Christmas is what a cartoon like this is, I think, trying to teach us. I want to take a little informal poll here for just a moment. I want to determine which household got up the earliest this morning. Did anyone in a household get up at 5 o'clock this morning or a little after? If you did, raise your hand. If someone in your house got up at 5 o'clock, okay? Anybody get up uh, 4.30? You're kidding me. Okay, all right. 4 o'clock. Any, how, 4 o'clock. Ray Lowry, you don't count. You don't count, Ray. You, you, if you had to get up, it's totally a different reason. Okay. <clears throat> just teasing, just teasing. 3.30. Anyone get up before... Th- 3.30, this family. Anyone beat 3.30 in the morning? Did anyone go to bed at all? I mean, anyone just stay up all night long? Okay, all right. We do all that because, because it's Christmas. And we think we know, we hope we focus on that which is most important. We think the message of Christmas comes true because we... We focus on it and we try our hardest to make, it, to make it the most important thing. But perhaps we need just another reminder. Perhaps we need to see and view from God's Word, from the Scripture, what the true gift of Christmas is really all about. We know it. We celebrate it. We defend it. We always will. We mix in our traditions, and those traditions are fun. And waking up early on a Christmas morning or doing what you do with your family on the Christmas Eve, the night before, or maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it doesn't matter as long as you see your family, you see your loved ones sometimes during, at some point during the next few days. But God's Word is very clear, for it says that the true spirit of Christmas is going to be wrapped up not just in Luke chapter 2 or Matthew 2 or the great prophecies of the Old Testament and Isaiah. But they're going to be found in verses like 1 John 5, 12. And 1 John 5, 12 simply says, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Listen to it again. He who has the Son has the life. 
He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Now, I know that's, that's not your typical Christmas verse. I don't know if there's a, a great oratorio or a cantata based upon 1 John 5.12, but in my opinion, if you want to just boil down the essence of what this season, what this day, what life really is all about, it's going to be 1 John 5.12. Why? Because it tells us the truth. I just want to share with you a story this morning. And a story is just that, a story. So keep it in mind that what I tell you did not happen in reality, in history, just as I'm about to tell you, but that's totally beside the point. For stories can sometimes point us to the most real things we ever encounter. So, join me in the telling of what I think is a magnificent story. It's a story of a father and his son. Don't confuse it with the prodigal son out of Scripture. That's not the story I'm telling. I believe that actually happened, so I wouldn't consider it a story at all. But I'm talking about a father and a son who lived in a particular day, in a particular time, not far removed from where we live today, in a place that was somewhere in our country, perhaps. Maybe not. That doesn't matter at all either. It was a father who had lost his wife and mom when the son was born. So he had been widowed for many years. And he poured his entire life into this only child, this son that was the apple of his eye, this child that reminded him so much of his mother. And this father and son, because of the circumstances of their lives, were naturally very close It really is totally beside the point as well that this family of two, father and son, were extremely wealthy, but they were. You don't have to be wealthy in order to be happy, we know that. But just to add in to this story, this father was extremely wealthy and he poured his life into his son. And they both poured their lives into the passion that they both felt early on. And that was art. I'm not talking about art. I'm talking about millions of dollars worth of art. You see, when you have enough money and you have the connections, you can, you can buy magnificent pieces of art. And this father who invested his life in purchasing and acquiring and displaying magnificent works of art, taught this love and conveyed this love and training to his son. And the father and son were both very good at what they did. They could travel the world, and they did. And they could spot not just a bargain. They could spot a masterpiece. And they went after, and they bid, and they won in one auction after the next some of the most amazing paintings by the most amazing artists My knowledge of them is very, very slight, very, very limited, but perhaps you've heard of some of the names of the paintings, of the artists, of the paintings that they had acquired. They had paintings of the great master named Monet. 
I don't understand all the background of how that painting was was created. Dots of paint, I'm told. Pointillism, it's called. Monet, they owned those paintings. Not only that, Picasso was in their collection. Some of Picasso's paintings are so abstract and so strange-looking, they're almost laughable, but that doesn't mean that they're any less valuable. That painting alone, millions of dollars, they owned it, it was in their home. Van Gogh, the tragic life of an artist who was so consumed with whatever it was he was consumed with that he mutilated his own flesh. But this painting, do you know the name of it? Starry Night. It's been the motivation and the inspiration for poetry, for songs, for music. Starry Night, just one of the Van Gogh paintings that they had acquired. And then you have Rembrandt. Rembrandt, the great master of religious art. And this particular view of this painting is a little bit dark. It's a little bit hard to see, but it's based upon that story of the father and son in Luke 15, the homecoming of the prodigal. And you can see the the father as he welcomes the younger son into his arms back home. It's, he's dressed in tattered clothing. And then you can see the profile of the older brother who is seething with anger because he doesn't understand why the father would show such grace and love to his rebellious younger brother. They owned not just that painting by Rembrandt, but many other religious paintings of this great master. That's just a few. This was their passion. They spent their lives acquiring, looking, displaying. It was their life. One particular winter, war came to the nation. And the younger son went away to serve his country. And the father had a foreboding in his spirit about the departure of his son. And he worried. His paintings didn't help his attitude. His paintings, his wealth, really didn't mean anything in comparison to the safety of his son. And just as he had thought in his own mind the last day he saw his son before he left for war... The news came that he was missing in action. And then it wasn't three or four days later before the tragic news came that he was no longer missing in action, but he had been killed in action. Killed, dying heroically as he took a fellow soldier from the battlefield and tried to get him and rush him to the medic, to the battlefield hospital. He was cut down. The father, absorbed in his grief, didn't know what to do. So he sat in his house. He stared at his paintings. He grieved. Many of you have felt such feelings. And it didn't help at all that it was this time of year. But as Christmas came closer and closer, the the old man, the father, the widow, widower, who had lost his son. He felt he couldn't go on. Christmas Day came and he did nothing to change his routine. He just sat in his home, 
received no guests, but he heard a knock at the door. And it was all he could do to pull himself out of the chair and make his way to the door, but he did. And as he opened it, he was staring at the face of a young man. No doubt he was a soldier. Soldier who wore the signs of being wounded. He had a large package in his hand and he introduced himself and he simply said, I was a friend of your son's and before he could really say anything else, these words came out and I was the one he was saving when he was killed in action. Could I visit with you for a minute? Father was shocked. He let the young man in. They sat in the great living room, all the paintings, all the great works of art surrounding them. And the soldier began to relate stories that his friend, the father's son, told while serving in the army about how he loved his father, about how he and his father loved art and how they spent their lives acquiring great works of art. And the young soldier who stood before the elderly father said, I too am an artist and I have something for you. The old man saw it. Had to be a frame wrapped up in paper. And as he began to tear the paper away, it was a portrait. A portrait of his son. Could it be compared with Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and Rembrandt and on and on? No, it couldn't. But you couldn't mistake the talent that was there because this friend... Painted the man's son in such a way that his facial features, his eyes. That was his son. It was real to him. And he thanked the young man. He thanked him for his courage. He thanked him for coming to his home. And he said, I will value this painting, this portrait of my son, and I will, I will take care of it. The young man bid him goodbye and left. And the old man stared at the portrait. And true to his promise, it wasn't two hours later before all of those great works of art were cleared away. And right front and center over the mantel was the portrait of the son. And the old man spent the rest of Christmas Day looking at it, staring at it. And over the next few months, his grief began to subside. Because he received communication after communication, phone call after phone call, telling stories of how that son had not just saved one soldier and lost his life, but had done so many great acts of heroism. He was a true friend. And the father began to feel a sense of relief in knowing that even though his son would no longer be with him physically, his son still lived on in the reports of the influence he had, the lives he touched, and it helped. It helped. Spring. The father became ill. Sick unto death. And at word of the father's death, the art community across the world went crazy. Because those who had been waiting, those who knew the value of this collection, made the obvious deduction. The father has died. The son died before the father. There was no one left. There would be a great auction. There would be a selling off 
of this work of art. And all of these great collectors from all over the world came and converged upon that spot where the auction was to take place because the father had written a will. And he said, I want all of these works of art to be auctioned off and it will be done on Christmas Day. And so the crowd gathered. And they waited restlessly for the auctioneer to take the podium and to get on with the auction. How many men and women sat in that audience envying and waiting to spend any amount of money so that they could walk away from this event and proudly say, I'm the greatest collector on the face of the earth now, for I have these great works and they belong to me. Those thoughts going through the crowd. The auctioneer took the podium. He had his gavel in his hand. He banged it to get attention. And he said, we know why you are all here today. And we're going to auction off all of these great works of art that belong to this family. And he said, we begin with the first. And it was the picture. It was the picture of the son. You could hear just the audible gasp of people as they just, we got to wait. How long is it going to take before we get to the good stuff? How long is it going to take before the real art is brought forward? Will I have a bid? Silence. Will no one offer a bid on the portrait of the son? The silence was broken by someone in the back that said, we didn't come here to bid on a worthless portrait. It was his son. It has nothing to compare to the great works of art. I want Monet. I want Picasso. I want Van Gogh. I want the real art. We didn't come here for this. The auctioneer ignored it and said, do I have a bid? A man in the very back who tended the yard for the father over the years, was there out of respect. And he spoke barely above a whisper, but he said, I only have $10. The auctioneer said, anyone bid above $10? Silence. Going once, going twice, sold. And then the auctioneer said, the auction is over. sounded about just like what you did. People begin to yell. What do you mean the auction is over? We came here to purchase and bid. We have the money. We came here to buy the art that we thought we were going to have auction. This is not fair. This is an injustice. Why in the world would you say that the auction is over? And the auctioneer opened the piece of paper that had the Father's will written upon it. And he said, let me read to you what it says. The art will be auctioned on Christmas Day. And this is the last line. He who takes the Son takes it all. He who takes the Son. He who buys the portrait. That means more to me than any work of Picasso or Van Gogh. Or whoever. The one who purchases and takes my son owns it all.
It's a story. But it's a story that sounds a whole lot like the truth. Think about it. The love of a father. A son who gave it all. For you see, the real message and the real meaning of Christmas is going to be found in a manger that's overshadowed by a cross that tells us that one day the baby that was born in that manger would grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man and that we would make sure that he was nailed to a cross because of our sin, because this was the only way that the gift of the Father's love could be granted to people like you and me. That's the true gift and the true meaning of Christmas. He who has the Son has it all. So my question for you, do you have the Son? Do you understand the truth of Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection, His second advent that we wait for, the reason we gather here on the 25th day of December, the reason we live? That's because we need to learn the truth that if we will focus upon the Son, no matter what the world says, no matter what anyone else says is most important, if we will focus upon the Son, and if we have the Son, we have it all. 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. That's a story worth living for. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today, to gather here, to honor you with our presence, with our singing, to honor you with the reading of your word, and to remember the love of a father and the gift of his son. Our prayers, Lord, are that we honor you with our lives, not just today, but every day. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. What better day than Christmas 2011 for people in this place to make significant decisions? We're going to close our service with a an invitation, an opportunity for people like you and me to, to do the right thing. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus the Christ to come into your life. You've never said, Lord, save me. You've missed it all, all these years, because you've been trying to get something else when the simple truth of the matter is, he who has the Son has it all. I'd invite you to come this morning. There'll be ministers and deacons standing here to receive you, to pray for you, to encourage you. And maybe it would be this day when you say yes to the claim of Christ upon your life. Maybe you're here today and you know the Lord just never told anyone, never publicly professed your faith in Him. Is that important? Yes. The Scripture commands it. Maybe you've never followed Him in believer's baptism. Maybe it's time for you to take that step of obedience and say yes. Maybe on a day like Christmas, you would be... You'd be joining our church today. 
Maybe that's the choice you need to make. Maybe you live in this area and you have attended here faithfully, but now you understand and know that God wants you to plug in and belong and be a part of this church family. We'd invite you to come and welcome you to join our church today. Then for most of us, on a day when we say we get it, on a day of all days, December 25th, Christmas Day, my goodness, who can't miss it? Well, apparently, many of us do. But you see, it's not just a story about a father who loved a son. But it's the fact of a heavenly father who created us in his image and whose son came and lived and died that we might live. And how would that adjust your life? How would that affect your life today? Maybe you're here today and you've been believing in Jesus for years, but you've never, you've never really trusted him in the big issues of life. What would they be? What would you do? God will show you. He always does. That's our invitation. We stand together. We wait for you here in the front. Won't you step out? Won't you come forward right now?